Welcome to Run With Purpose. This is episode number 69. And for those of you that are new to the show, my name is Flores, and I'm so very glad that you found this podcast. Would love if you would subscribe. And as always, you can reach out to me on all of the socials everywhere at flores.run. Uh, today, we've got a very special guest. It's going to be a really good conversation. We had a pre-talk last week, and it's just going to be a very exciting conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. But Demetria is an author and healer that helps people reconnect with their spirit, helping them to see the parts of themselves that have been lost or forgotten on the way to building their life. She's passionate about people rediscovering the vibrancy of life that comes when you are able to feel whole and connected in your life. That's a lot there, but thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good conversation, just kind of like I said, with our pre-talk and things that we kind of brought up of just this whole idea of the American dream and kind of what that means. But before we dive in that or, or kind of a part of diving in that, let the people know just a little bit about your, your background and your story. Yeah, for sure. So I worked in corporate America for 17 years and I really had spent my whole life working hard and, you know, going to school, getting good grades, going to college, getting the degree finding the right career and just climbing that corporate ladder. And I reached this place in my life where I was like, hey, I really have achieved what should be the American dream. I have a house, I have a car, I have kids, I have a wonderful spouse. Um, why am I not getting the happiness and joy that is associated with that American dream? Like what is missing in my life? And I really had to take a, a minute or more than a minute to figure that out for myself and realize that I had spent my whole life working hard instead of really connecting with the people that I love. And I kind of missed the point of the American dream and had to reset my life in, in a pretty significant way. Um, so I left my corporate job. I was really, really blessed to be able to do that and set out on a journey to figure this out, to figure out how to reconnect to the people that I love and ultimately realized I needed to reconnect to myself and my identity in order to do that. Yeah, I think it's you said something interesting there that I wrote down of this idea of working over connecting, how we can kind of get caught up in the rat race, if you will, of just the doing, the doing, the doing when we forget that we're we're interacting with people every single day and we're we're like we're either gaining or losing relationships with the the way we're acting or the things we're doing. How did how did you see kind of that change when you went from this idea of I'm working towards these goals and then I've got everything, but now I don't have it to realizing let's reconnect in those relationships? Yeah, I was really blessed. I have three kids and um, they're a big part of my life and they really were the catalyst. They at one point said to me, hey, you're missing our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, they didn't say it that eloquently. Um, they said it as children say it, but it was essentially like, hey, you're missing out on all the things that are happening for us. You're missing out on our sporting events. You're missing out on what's going on at school. Um, and I think anytime that you have children telling you that, it's a pretty big wake up call for you to say like, hey, there's something amiss. I had already known, like I already had those feelings of something, you know, was, was up with me. Um, but having my kids really call me out as I was like packing for my next business trip, you know, I was like, I was like 
home for a day packing my stuff. And my daughter's like, you're leaving again. Like you haven't been home. Um, and I just, I knew I needed to make a change and, um, I did that. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, found myself down this, this other path that opened up a whole new world to me. Yeah. It's interesting because kids, kids have the darndest mouth sometimes where they, they say it and it's, they meet it like with all of their heart. Like they're like, no, I'm being good spirited in telling you these things. But sometimes again, it comes to things like you're serious, seriously, you're leaving again. Like, why are you like, why are you doing this kind of thing? And it can help you kind of, to your point is we realize this usually in ourselves. We have it in our back of our head of, Hey, maybe this isn't right because I'm doing, I'm doing all of the things I'm checking all of the boxes, but this American dream really isn't the dream that I'm living. Like I'm not, it's not bringing me happiness and joy. Like what, where's the disconnect? So like, we're always like, Hey, there might be something here, but I think what, society and our culture kind of says is, well, you haven't made it yet. You need to do, maybe you just need to do a little more. Maybe you just need to take on another project. Maybe you just need to work a little harder because you see everyone on social media and it's like, Hey, they've got it. They seem like they have everything right now. It's like, maybe I just need to work a little harder to get there. Yeah. I mean, there's two things that have become really apparently clear to me. One is that I was misguided in my belief that success, whether that's through my job title or through the material possessions that I was able to accumulate would equate to happiness. So Mm -hmm. I I just at some point thought, oh, if you're successful in life, then obviously you're going to be happy. And I realized that those two things are actually not connected in the way that I thought that they were. Um, You don't have to be successful, quote unquote, successful, according to society to gain happiness. Mm -hmm. A lot of people take their own paths and find happiness and joy in their life and are perfectly content without societal's definition of success. Um, And then the second thing is that um, so much of my personal identity was wrapped up in those external accolades, right? It was about how other people viewed me, how my boss viewed me, how the corporation was actually affirming that I was valuable to them rather than really understanding who I am and knowing my self-worth comes from within. Mm. And when that happens, when you're able to shift from that external perspective to that internal perspective, it really, at least for me, unlocked everything because all of a sudden, the external accolades that I get really take their place, right? They are just compliments and they're really nice to hear still, um, but it doesn't define you any longer. And that's a really big shift that happened for me. Yeah, that that identity thing is it's, it's a lot of people I think have that, this almost identity crisis of, they're not living their own why, they're living somebody else's why. And and that yeah. why is kind of driving all of their decisions. And then like you said, it's it's always nice to hear like an attaboy or girl like with whatever you do, you're like, yeah, I do this. And if someone listens to it, it's like, hey, that was a really yeah. good episode or whatever. Like, well, thanks, yeah. like that's awesome. But yeah. it's yeah. it's I do this because I want to. It's not because of any other thing. And I don't put that much weight on it because if I did, you know, if I'm not getting 100 likes on every single Instagram post, it's like, wait a second, if that's, if that's how I kind of hold my value of, well, then apparently I'm worthless. No one likes what I do. Everything I'm doing is just for, for not because I'm looking for this like external satisfaction. I, I read something talking about basically the like button and stuff like that on Facebook. I think, oh, well, was that documentary that Netflix, what was that one called? Oh, the relatively recent one. Um, 
was it called like the social network or the social, uh, social dilemma? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the so whole, fascinating. I, the whole idea of how they generated this, it's like, Hey, when someone tags you in a photo, there's a reason that photo isn't on, isn't in the email. They want mm -hmm. you to log into their service and see it. And they kind of just give you this like feed of getting these like dopamine rushes of like, Oh, who's going to, who's going to do this and how am I going to get value in this? I don't know where I was going with that. I had a purpose, but it's all fine. We'll come back to it. But well, this, it's so interesting you bring it up because that, that is the part of digital marketing that I worked in. I worked in data and analytics. So mm -hmm. I was really core to that piece of driving that addiction for people. And um, I think as I worked in that arena, I realized, well, I thought originally, you know, oh, I'm serving content that most resonates with people. And so you know, obviously it's better if I get content that resonates with me, but you don't really know the dark side. You don't see the dark side, even working in it, you know, um, you just don't realize what it's actually doing to people until you take a step back and, and really look. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things, yeah. like you said, there is, there is the good side of it is because you're kind of curating, you're, you're making my day simpler mm -hmm. because you already know this is what the kind of things I read, or these are the yeah. kinds of things I'm looking at. But then to your other point, it's, you don't see that psychological benefit or the, the detriment, if you will, that yeah. comes with it because it's like, Hey, now that's all I'm geared towards. I want to know when people like my photos. And, and just recently I've caught myself doing it where I'm just like scrolling through like Instagram reels or something going, Hey, what's the next one I can do? Like, what can I create? What? And I'm like, wait a second. No, no, no. Get out of that. Like make your own, be your own self and, yes. and just be that you shouldn't have to look yes. for this external satisfaction of I, hey, I'm doing a good thing because 35 people gave it a thumbs up. Yeah, totally. And I think all of that goes back to this, this root issue of the American dream. I was actually talking to my mom about this this week. Just, you know, my mom immigrated from Korea um, when she was just out of college. And I think so much of my upbringing and this work hard mentality came from growing up in a household with an immigrant where you really shed your identity when you mm -hmm. come to America, you're promised this, this path, this road paved in gold, as she says, where you can create anything you want for yourself. And all it takes is some hard work to create whatever you want. And so much of that story is about the hard work and the opportunity, but it's really focused on collecting or building a life and really leaves out you also need to be connected to who you are and build relationships and, and actually have joy in your life and happiness, right? It's all about building to happiness rather than just enjoying the process of it. Um, and I just find it so fascinating. I didn't realize until really recently, actually, how much my mom's journey influenced how I, I was raised. I mean, obviously she's my mother, so mm -hmm. it influenced how I was raised, but how I, how I ended up proceeding in my own life and my own journey was really influenced by this mentality that she had. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that whole thing of, you know, coming as an immigrant and seeing the land of opportunity, I can do anything mm -hmm. if I work hard enough to do it. And then mm -hmm. you lose yourself in the process of it. And, and it yeah. can, it's very easily seen in that example, but 
there's so many people that go through this exact same thing where it's, you know, even if you're born in this country, you've never left the town you live in kind of thing. You still have this where you just know I need to do something because this is where I need to be. Um, I saw Mm -hmm. a funny Instagram reel. I think it was that it said like my dad, he was like, this is me at 29. And my dad at 29 became partner of his law firm. And my grandfather at 29 was, you know, like a general in the army or something like that. And then my great grandfather owned like three towns or something like that. And it's like, we have this idea of, we need to get to that. We need to get to Mm -hmm. their level because they work so hard so we could have a better life. And then we just kind of need to one up that, but it becomes like a diminishing return. It's how much work are you really putting in that's that you're getting the benefit from? Because if you put all the this time and energy into this thing, you're going to die and you're going to have nothing because you can't take yeah. anything with you. I always say you can't take yeah. money, you can't take possessions, you can't do all these kinds of things. So why are we, yeah. why are we so obsessed with the uh, assumption uh, or consumption of things or of, of accumulating mm-hmm. things? You talked about that just before of the, you had all of these possessions, if you will, that you could kind of hold on to, and it kind of not even just the external accolades of like the attaboys or girls. it's that you had these physical things that you can be like, look what I did. But in the yeah. end, they're still just things. Yeah. And none of those things were bringing me happiness, right? I, I had to really take a look at, okay, I have all, all of, you know, from the external perspective, I should be super happy all of the time. Um, and I think it was really challenging for me to acknowledge that and also say, there's something missing here. And that piece has to do with me. I can no longer blame an external factor on my unhappiness because I've achieved really what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. So if I'm still unhappy when I've, I've succeeded, when I've achieved, you know, quote unquote success, then the problem here isn't that I haven't worked hard enough. There's something else amiss. Um, And that was a challenging time in my life where I had to really say like, oh, this is me. This isn't somebody else or something else. It's me and I have to figure it out. Um, Which started me on my journey to say like, who who am I exactly? And, um, you know, what makes me unique? What makes me me? And then finally getting to what am I passionate about doing in life and how do I want to make a difference? Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a good point of this from the outside looking in someone looks at your, we'll just use social media real. Someone looks at your Instagram and it's like, everything looks fantastic. And obviously we've talked about, there's a disconnect and you're like, Hey, that's not how I truly feel. Like, yes, these are things that I'm actually doing, but you know, I'm giving you the snapshot. I'm giving you my Instagram reel, not my camera roll as, as the comparison I like to use a lot. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, you look at my camera roll, you'd be like, Oh, this is, this is pretty messed up. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't even save any of these <laughs> on your phone. Why are they still on your phone? But you had this, this idea of everyone from the outside looking in is great. But then, like you said, you had to find that find and cultivate that passion and going, okay, I'm doing things that yes, are making me money, getting me further along in the corporate world or whatever the case might be. But it wasn't what was driving my passion and joy. How did you kind Mm -hmm. of kind of flip that switch, obviously, like you said, with the kids and kind of understanding like, Hey, maybe there's some disconnect, but how did you really turn that corner to say, okay, this isn't bringing me joy. Where can I Mm -hmm. turn my attention? Yeah, I had to, I I mean, I started with trying to figure out who I was. I mean, my husband asked me this really like simple, amazing question all wrapped into one, which is, Hey, what is it that you actually like to do? 
you know, he, he listed off like 15 things that he loves to do that he's super passionate about. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I like to do. I'm, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm, you know, my job title, but I couldn't get to who I was if I wanted to describe myself. And that set me on a path of really trying to figure out like, okay, what does make me happy? What does, you know, what am I passionate about? And I had to try a bunch of things and just figure out, okay, this thing I'm going to try and do. And nope, that feels like work still, or <laughs> this feels like work or, um, you know, I, it was, a, it was a lot of trial and error and really intentional time. Just, just trying to sit with myself and, and figure all of that out. Um, so it's not an easy, it's not an easy path. Um, I, I think the most important part when you're starting in that place of just um, what I think of as like busy addiction, right? Like I, I was able to be super busy with work and kids stuff and my husband's stuff or whatever. And I would pile all these things on and be super busy. So I didn't have to deal with who I was or figure out who I was. And so that first thing was like, okay, I have to create time where I'm not filling it with distraction um, so I can actually focus on this. And the second thing was, how do I actually take care of myself? And I kept saying to my husband, he was like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I was like, I would sleep. And I was so, <laughs> and he's like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was like, every single time I was like, the only thing that was going to bring me joy is taking a nap. And I was just <laughs> In retrospect, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was a really messed up person if all I wanted to do was sleep. But I was at that point where I was like, I'm so exhausted. Yeah, you just needed all rest. I need is I needed to rest. I was just so overly exhausted from everything I was doing. And and it took, you know, months after I after I quit my job, honestly, the first probably two months, I took a nap every single day. And it was just like. I felt so ridiculous, but I was so tired from, from having packed my life so full that I just needed to rest to, to actually like have the energy to do the work, to figure out who I was. Um, so there is an element of like just self-care, mm. right? Take care of yourself, take a nap if you can, or, you know, take a minute where you don't have something on your to-do list. And that's shockingly simple um, to say and really, really hard for people to do. Yeah. Simple isn't easy. And that's what a lot of people no. kind of get into this thing is people aren't willing to kind of be uncomfortable and kind of find yeah. out what that is. You know, that, that trial or error, fear of failing, that is such mm -hmm. an issue. And it would go back from an American dream standpoint, if we kind of pull it into that aspect of it, it's failure is a bad thing in the American dream. That means you didn't work hard enough yeah. or you didn't do enough, yeah. but it's like, look at anyone that has ever succeeded in American history they didn't do it on their first try. They went yeah. their entire lives trying to go after something and, you know, and stumbled upon it. And it's so yeah. funny how we, as a culture, kind of downplay this idea of like, no, you're not supposed to fail. If you fail, yeah. that's a problem. And it's like, no, that's how you grow. You got to kind of yeah. push yourself into that uncomfortable space. And, and like you said, creating time for yourself, that self-care, getting some rest, like everyone needs rest. And again, yeah. another, another part of that American dream thing is failure is not good and you can't rest because while you're resting, yeah. somebody else is getting ahead of you. If you're that's sleeping, right. somebody else is doing it. And you're like, you know what? Yeah. That's, that's where you have to go. Let them do it. Because yeah. what's, it's a tortoise in the hare situation. You keep running after it, but eventually you're going to crash. 
and I'm just going to yeah. stroll on by you because I'm happy. Yeah. Or maybe I don't even get to that point. Maybe, you know, maybe money isn't my motivator or climbing the corporate ladder isn't my motivator. So I don't even have to get to that point. I'm perfectly fine doing what I'm doing day in and day yeah. out. I think we, we talked a little bit about this is we had, um, my wife and I had a four bedroom house in the suburbs and it was me, her and our 10 pound dog. And it was just like, we don't, why do we have this? We're living somebody else's right. dream and expectation for us. Right. Like we decided we didn't want to have kids and that was the end of the, you would have thought I said I murdered 15 <laughs> people the way my family was just like, no, how, why, how could you, what do you, what do you mean? You don't want, yeah. and it's like, yeah. you know, it's just not something we, it's like, we love kids. I have nieces and nephews and I'd be happy yeah. to, to hang out with them and then give them back. But it's, yeah. it's, it's when you start doing something because somebody else said so. And yeah. it kind of, you have to turn this on its head and go, that's not for me. And that's perfectly yeah. okay. But the only way to know it's not for you is to kind of test that idea. And you, yeah. you brought it up of the creating time and, and this idea of trying to find out what you like to do. I always talk about it as it's like, it's finding your why first, yeah. because you'll never get to the how. I don't know how to bring happiness and joy or find my passion until I know why I'm doing the things I'm doing or why I want to yeah. go down this path. You know, it's with your, your corporate career, you're doing why, you know, the initial why was probably, hey, success, I've got things, I'm able to take care of my family, we have an abundance, yeah. we, can, we can help people, we can do these things. It's great, no problem in it. But then when you realize like, wait a second, at what cost? And what's right. you're, you're finding your values to then go, okay, is, is what, what I'm doing aligning? Is my why aligning mm -hmm. with my values? And then say, if not, where's that disconnect and how can I make that happen? Yeah, completely. And I think when we're starting out and we're, we're young, it's really easy to know the why, right? Like you said, right. You're, you're, getting paid, you're, you're making money to actually be independent and break from that, that family unit that's been taking care of you. And so it's, it feels really good because you get some independence from it. It's that we just get lost in that mm -hmm. we get lost in that hard work. And I think one of the things that's so important is there's something really beautiful about the American dream. There's something really, um, really inspiring about it but it's when it like goes awry when we get stuck in that um in that working rather than saying like oh i've actually i know that i have enough i have enough where i don't mm -hmm. need to continue down this path but it's like when we get to that point we're already so lost um in in what other people are telling us is the american dream there's always something more um, and we haven't, as you said, like really figured out our why we haven't figured out our American dream, like our personal dream gets lost in everything, um, in, in how other people define it. So there's just this like really interesting moment. And I haven't been able to put my finger on when it happens, but there's, there's a moment where you're really clear on what you're trying to achieve and, and why. And then it's like in an instant, it gets lost and you're like lost in this churning of work, yeah. um, of, of output rather than, of really being connected into yourself and knowing yourself. 
Yeah. But you think about it from, from almost like an educational standpoint of how we were raised. You're in school. The entire time you're in school is get good grades so you can yeah. get a good job so you can take care of your family. And it's, and that's the yeah. whole mentality. There's no bit about self-care or taking time to yourself or under, no. truly understanding yourself and your mental health. All of those mm-hmm. things wrap into it. So it's like, no, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, they ask kid, kids in kindergarten, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're yeah. asked that question every single year until you're about to go to college and it goes, Oh, Hey, what do you want to be and grow up? Because you have to, you basically have to check the box you want because that's what you're going to do the rest of your life. I remember I went to, I was like, Hey, what can I do? That's going to make me money. And I was like, financial advisor, like that's going to be like people in finance make a ton of money. Um, I graduated a finance degree in 2008 uh, when no one was making money and there were no jobs and their, their, their solution. I remember my guidance counselor at, uh, in Florida Atlantic university in Boca goes, he goes, well, the best plan probably is to just stay in school and get your master's. And I'm like, well, yeah. let's be very clear. I'm a finance major and going further into debt in a recession. Yeah. Yeah. Not the best idea. I'm like, maybe yeah. you should take some of these finance classes I just took because this isn't lining up. But we have yeah. this, we have this like drive where everyone is telling us you have to get ahead. And if you're not getting ahead, you're mm-hmm. falling behind and you're not doing this thing. And you, you, made a good quote and I don't think you re- may realize you'd said it, but you talked about like our American dream. And that's the difference is, is it the American dream or our American dream? And we need to make mm-hmm. things personal for us because yeah. it, again, goes back to the why. If you don't know your, your American dream and what your dreams and passions are, the, there's no template for how this thing works. Uh, right. And and when we kind of try to fall into a template, we will always fail at trying to fall into it. And then you will feel like yeah. a failure personally because you're like, wait a second, yeah. I'm not I'm not doing it the way that Joe Joe John Doe over there did it. Why can't I do it the way they are? Yeah. I mean, the American dream is like my mom said, this like the street paved in gold, the possibilities are endless here. We you can do and accomplish anything, but it is so easy because there are so many possibilities to get lost. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't come in with really strong intention and conviction about what you're actually trying to do. Um, and going back to, you know, that, that line of, of conversation around asking us what we want to be when we grow up, think about when you ask a kindergartner, what they want to be when they grow up. It's like, it could be anything. It could be a firefighter or it could be a construction worker because they love, you know, like my son loved Bob the Builder, right? When he was growing up. So he wanted to, I think he may have even wanted to be a tractor for a while. You know, it's like, (laughs) that's cool, honey. I don't think you can be a tractor, but you could drive a tractor. But that is like, there's such innocence and like true joy when, when that age children answers the question. But I, I'm like, when does it switch to being what you're passionate about mm-hmm. to what's actually going to make you money? Like you said, I mean, I think so many of us go to college and we're like, okay, we got to pick a career and it needs to be something that's going to be able to, you know, pay for food and shelter and those necessities, those, that foundation to life. And I don't know why we aren't like, wait, what am I also super passionate about? Right. And whatever I'm passionate about, the money will come. We're just, we're at least I think in our generation, I'm lumping you in. I don't know how old you are, but lumping you in with my age. <laughs> I think we're around the <laughs> same. That, yeah, about. 
um, I'll take it. So, you know, like we, we just weren't asked, like, what are you super passionate about? And I think, you know, I, I think that that's starting to change as I see some of the other generations come up that they are asking, what are they passionate about? What, what is, you know, what, how are brands helping in a bigger way? Um, but yeah, I mean, that just was not part of the conversation um, as definitely as I was growing up. And one interesting thing when you think about it too, with like the kindergartner aspect is they change their mind every day because yeah. it's, it's something else that brings them joy or something. And it's, we, again, I don't know when that clicks, where it changes, where it's like, no, you do one thing. Yeah. You can only be good at this one thing and don't you try to veer too far from it. And I think that's why I struggled so much going to school again, finance. I was like, I need to do this. It's, I, I liked it. Like I'm a big math and data kind of guy. So I was like, well, this, this works out for me. But yeah. then it got to a point where I was just like, I don't want to like sell investments. Like, and I'm like, I really <laughs> want to be like a broker. Like this seems boring. Like what, like, I don't know. I don't know anything about like, this isn't going to bring me passion or joy or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, this, I, this is what I went to school for. So this is what I have to do. And I think I use yeah. the only time I use my financial degree is I was a bank teller for <laughs> eight months. And outside of that, I've literally, the only thing the degrees got me is jobs that required a degree. And it's like, yeah. You know, now I'm in data analytics and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, great. This is like, this is what I love doing. Yeah. And from the creative aspect, because I got into, got into some data stuff and I started doing Tableau and now all of a sudden, like I love Tableau and it, it takes all of my creative size, all of the design side, all of the math, it brings everything. But it's like, this is what I like doing. Could I have made a lot yeah. more money doing finance? A hundred percent. But I also, I know friends that were working 80 hour work weeks, their first three years out of school because they had, they had to grind to earn their spot or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, it's not worth it. Money to me, yeah. I, and that's something I've learned as I get older. It's crazy how things just change. But money to me is just money. Like you need yeah. money to buy things to, you know, food, shelter, mm-hmm. like you said, but when is enough enough? And like you right. said, unfortunately, we find that out too late. We find it out once we already had too much and then we're like, oh wait, yeah. no, enough was back there. I could have stopped. Yeah. I didn't have to waste these last five years through this grind because that was already enough. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, it's like, we, why don't we learn this lesson from the Uber rich? Right. Mm -hmm. Like you can look at the uber rich of the world and see their problems, know that they don't have it figured out and aren't super happy. So clearly we know from them that money does not equal happiness or a job title or external status does not equal joy and happiness. And yet we still can't. It's like a lesson that everyone has to learn on their own in their own way. And I don't know if that's just part of the human experience is, um, you know, having to go through this process of working really hard, getting to some point in your life where you realize that, that you value joy and happiness over material things or over money. Like maybe that's just a crux to the human experience. I'm not sure. Um, but what I know is that either way, whether it's required or not, there is definitely a way to get past that point in life and just experience really joy and happiness in all of the little things in every aspect of your life. Yeah. And I think, and I've said it before on the show, but this idea of, you know, we're going too fast, things are happening. We're always trying to be involved in things. And then something like COVID happens. And I think, and that's where we're kind of seeing that generational shift. It's obviously happening before, but in the last, you know, 14 months, 
all mm-hmm. of a sudden people are like, wait a second, I've got time and I didn't have a job yeah. for so long or whatever the case might be. And it's, I'm now seeing what is important to me. You know, that's why yeah. like nonprofits are thriving because people are like, no, I want to volunteer. I want to give back. I want to do something that outlives me and, and the things that mm-hmm. I can kind of do. And those kinds of things are thriving and people are just being, spending more time with their family and spending more time in their relationships. Obviously, mm-hmm. social media is still a social media thing, but people are, I think I'd be a little more intentional about it. And you're seeing this yeah. next generation kind of take that and, and asking why to a lot of things, mm-hmm. not taking things at face value and going, why, why do you say this? Why do you think this is the case? And really trying to understand, because I think for the longest time, you know, it's like when a kid says why, you're like, because it is. Like that's why. And this generation is just not, just not having it, which is, I think is great. Um, It also makes for a couple of opinionated Gen Zers, but, but at least people are, you know, asking the questions and kind of formalizing their own dream and what that means. You don't need to go to college unless you're like a doctor or a lawyer or something. You know, if you're a doctor, I would prefer if you go to college, please, because I don't, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't want surgery and you don't know what you're doing. Like, I don't want you playing with like a, um, operation game and be like it doesn't buzz when you hit the ribs like no it it hurts a lot when you hit the ribs it doesn't buzz though but this idea of like you don't have to go to college like there's nothing wrong with trade schools there's nothing wrong with no college at all and going straight into the workforce or doing whatever you want to and i think it's kind of opening up and like our parents generation is not under like they're still looking at it going "Uh, i think you still need to like be a little more cautious and be a little more careful mm-hmm. here. Whereas we realize like, Hey, you know, again, move from a 2,400 square foot home to a thousand square foot apartment. And now we're still like, eh, we probably have too much space. We probably still have more than we actually need because it's what we value is kind of what we're holding mm-hmm. on to. Yeah, completely. I am so excited for us to see what happens in the coming years, right? In the next five or 10 years. I mean, I, I, I think and so obviously nobody would have wished for COVID. Nobody would have wished for this to happen, but we're here now and it has shift our shifted our entire world and our entire dynamic. Right. And I think so much of the change that is really coming, the impact of this for those up and coming generations are yet to be seen. We, I mean, we haven't really come out of, of lockdown. I mean, it's come out in varying degrees, right? Some people have a little bit more, some people are a little more locked down right now, depending on where you are in the world. But ultimately we have not returned to society interacting openly um, all around the world. And until that happens, I don't think we're actually going to see how big of a shift all of this has caused. Um, I think about my own life where I would travel weekly for work, right? I think about my husband used to travel weekly for work. My sister traveled weekly for work. Like it was just part of that culture. And I can't imagine um, going back to that. I mean, for them either. And I think a lot of people will say like, hey, you know, we don't actually want to go and commute into the office every single day. We miss out on evening bike rides with our kids or being able to cook a meal with our loved one. I mean, there's so many things that we've been blessed with. If you can, you know, wrap yourself around the bless the small blessings that have come in that I, I don't think people are going to be willing to give those things up. 
Yeah, it's as, we, an, as we sort of transition out. Yeah, it's interesting because that whole work from home aspect is at first it was like, some people are like, this is great. I can just do whatever I want. And then people get tired mm-hmm. of it because it, I mean, it is a different kind of experience you have to get used yeah. to. But there, there are those other aspects where it's like, yes, I can, on my lunch, I can work out and I can prep dinner. So then when my mm-hmm. wife gets home, she works in the dental field. So she's actually, she has to actually see people. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> while she's doing that, it's, you know, she can come home and we can have dinner and we can sit down or we can go for a walk. We can do yeah. these things where I don't have to have that 45 minute commute by taking the bus and doing all these things and having to deal with all of that. Yeah. And it's interesting how certain companies, you can tell they're, they're trying to get people back in and trying to get people back on board. But I don't think those, those ideas are going to last because people mm-hmm. are starting to shift and going, wait a second, you've been taking advantage of me way too long. Like now I'm realizing yeah. like, wait a second, I can, I can step back. I can still get this job done working mm-hmm. less hours and get ju- just as much, if not more productivity more. Yeah. because I'm mm-hmm. sitting in a comfortable environment and I don't feel yeah. kind of rushed to do anything. I, I yeah. the position I'm in now, I've only been here for two years now. And the, the job I was at before was very stringent, very strict. Whereas like, there's no work from home. Like you're in the office every single day, you're doing these things. And then the company I work for now, it was very relaxed on it. They're like, Hey, you know, if you need to work from home, do what you got to do, you know, just do your job. And I'm working harder than I ever have, but I don't feel like drained. Like I did at the, you yeah. know, the eight to five. And I was just like, wait, what's, what's going on here? It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm working, I'm getting things done, but I'm enjoying every aspect of it because of the experience that you're providing right. around me. When again, linking back up to everything of my values are family is a huge part of my life. And yeah. if that part is separated, everything else crumbles. But, but after that, it's because, you know, between running or the podcast or anything else I do, it's carving out time. And I don't want to carve out time for my family. I want there to be family time. And then I carve the rest out of whatever's left over. And yeah. having those opportunities to do that, again, no one wished anything like this, but it is the small blessings of when my wife was off work for 12 weeks or whenever, however long Ohio was shut down, it was, we literally had breakfast, lunch, and dinner together every single day. And it's just like, just the little things where you're just like, wait a second, like, this is awesome. Like, why, yeah. why can't we do more things like this? So it's like, okay, now, now we just do breakfast and dinner or whatever the case might be. You yeah. start to get used to these and, and you kind of make your new normal not mm-hmm. not letting people take advantage of the other piece of it, realizing that there's a little more yeah. there. That's a whole nother kind of probably topic, but it, it wraps it up. Right, right. But I think coming back to this idea of the American dream, I do think it's going to shift for people as we move out because we have now had this glimpse into mm-hmm. the possibility of what it could look like that we just really haven't had in generations, right? It's been so ingrained that you just work, 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 work. And then having to take this pause in our life. And I know it was really, really challenging for a lot of people, especially people that lost their jobs and, you know, really didn't have enough money to feed themselves and survive. But it really globally has reset our expectations for how we live our lives. And there has to be some um, effect on people's expectations and their dreams and how they approach that going forward. Yeah. And it's interesting because 
you we've always seen it as as Americans seeing how how other countries and stuff work and how they they have mm-hmm. more of a life work balance instead of work life yeah. being yeah. the majority mm-hmm. and and we're now seeing that because everyone's working from home no matter where you're at in the world almost every single country has like you said lockdowns yeah. of some sort <clears throat> but this idea that oh wait like we can also do this. Like this isn't the American dream was like, go, 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 go. Like, wait a second. We took a step back. Things are still moving forward. Companies are still selling products. Things are still happening, but we're not having to work our asses off to get there. Like, wait a second. Like, where's that shift? And now, like you said, people's eyes are opening to this Mm -hmm. and it is going to be very interesting to see once things become, you know, 90% 90% open, you know, right now it's right. like 40% open. It's be 90% yeah. open. Let's see how that mind shift, mind shift shifts, mindset shifts, yeah. uh, yeah. to, yeah. <laughs> to, um, of how people react in that situation and what they expect. Cause that's going to be the interesting thing is simple supply demand is if, if employees are expecting something else that employers aren't willing to do, employees are going to leave. And other companies yeah. are going to take these people because, hey, there's no restriction. I don't have to be in New York City to get a New York City job anymore. And that right. mentality is just unlocked for people going, hey, no, I can I can make a larger impact. I can do more things. I'm no yeah. longer confined by my geographical area. Yeah, yeah. It will be really interesting to see this reset of, I think, prioritization of work in mm-hmm. people's lives really unfold. and. Um, and and sort of what comes for people on a personal level from that, right? Like what other passions, what other um, really purpose-driven companies come of this? Like what inspires people to take some action that they weren't able to do before because they were bogged down in the grind of only working? Yeah. Um, so again, I think it's just going to be fascinating over this next really five to 10 years as we see... Um, you know, the younger generations grow up. I mean, they've had a huge shift in their reality. But then even some of the people that are more established or older, having had this reset, there's going to be some shifts there too for those people. And I think that we'll see some pretty amazing things come out, you know, in in this next sort of decade. Yeah. Um, that will that will be surprising for us. Yeah. Just just re, like you said, resetting and kind of reshifting that what that American dream actually means and, and kind of understanding that, Hey, it's bigger than a single the, but it's more of ours. And how can we make it our own to, um, to kind of just better the world? You know, obviously we have to start with ourselves to talk about self care and stuff like that. You can't help yourself. You can't help others until you help yourself. The old, uh, flight attendant kind of mentality, but that's the, that's the truth. And if you're not taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself, and you're, you're working too hard or you're doing whatever it is that you're not focusing on you at some point, it's not a selfish yeah. thing to do. You just can't take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think in my own experience, really realizing that, that what I was giving to people before was actually a pretty shallow version of myself because I didn't know who I was. So if you don't know who you are, what you're giving is that like just facade of an image of who you are. Right. But when you really connect into yourself and know who you are, the type of giving, whether that's at work or in personal relationships, whatever that friendships, whatever it is, 
you all of a sudden are giving from a place that is so much deeper that then you're really able to give. And Mm. so I often, you know, people say, oh, you know, self-care is really selfish or you might have that ingrained belief that it's selfish, but it's so important to realize that the self-care and coming from a place where you have enough energy to give, you have enough energy to show up appropriately at work in your family life, whatever it is. It's like, that's when you really give to people. Um, And I think it's just so easy to get lost in the like, oh no, I need to give, give, give and not realize how important it is to give from a really like deep, authentic place. Right. It's because you're adding more authentic value. Like you just said right there, it comes from an authentic place is you're you're actually providing value of something you truly believe in. It's not saying, hey, am I going through the motions and doing the things that I should be doing because this is a person in my position does these things or says these things or acts this way. It's, It's no, it's super authentic. And then you can have conversations. We can have conversations like this and just be like, hey, let's just talk about whatever it is. You know, we don't need to have yeah. a script or a rubric. We just have a conversation. And when you, when this is who you are and I can see it in you and everything that you're doing from your blog post to our, obviously our conversation now, just your passion about this thing of kind of opening the box or unlocking this potential and finding your passion, you can see it. And then it just, it resonates in everything you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I think when, when I know that I'm doing something that's super connected to who I am and what I'm passionate about, it's really easy. Like every conversation that we've had has been super easy. I'm like, this is so aligned with me when it's, when you're doing something that is not aligned with you, it feels really hard. It feels like hard work. And I think back to how I was raised and, and those beliefs was, Oh, well, yeah, you're supposed to work hard to, reach success to accomplish something. And such a big shift is, oh, actually, when you're doing things that are really aligned to who you are, it's actually pretty easy. It doesn't feel like work. Nothing that I do in my like, quote unquote, work life feels like work. I'm like, no, I'm super excited to do it all of the time. And I think that's a really easy, like hack or or tip, I think for people, it's like, if it feels hard, really question if it's truly aligned who you are, because if it, if you're operating totally aligned with all parts of your life, it should feel like really, really enjoyable Mm. in everything you're doing. It can still be hard work, right? It can still take effort, but it shouldn't feel hard. It shouldn't feel draining. It should still light you up in some way. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just such an easy thing to think about to to re reposition your life or reposition your activities a little bit right. and where you focus. Yeah, and that's a good caveat there of it's it doesn't mean it's easy work. Just because you're right. passionate about something, you're doing something, it doesn't make it e- it's right. not easy that you're not going to have to put in work and do things. <clears throat> but if you feel like you're hitting a roadblock in every single thing you do, maybe you just need to take that mind shift and go, okay, maybe I'm not aligned with what's going on here and you need to have that uncomfortable conversation with yourself going okay is this really what it is like let me break it down like what about this is lining with my values let's write down values let's write down what this is doing if we're not seeing intersection between those two something's missing it may be not necessarily the activity or whatever you're doing it may be how you're doing the activity it may be like hey i'm doing things the way everybody else was doing it's like hey i'm trying to be on the social media with with hangar nonprofit. 
I was every single day, two or three posts, and we were doing these things. And I was like, wait a second, I am so drained. This is taking me way too much mental energy. I've, I've got like a, um, a Photoshop file that's just like a bunch of different things. And I'm like, nothing, and I'm getting no engagement. Nothing, nothing's happening. I'm like, why am I? I'm like, wait a second. I don't care about this. I don't, why do I care about these likes or why do I care about these things? We're feeding people dealing with the issue of hunger. Boom. Let's figure out how we can do that better. And then now all of a sudden we're like, we're repositioning how we do some things. And it's like, it is super weird how like money just comes in and things are happening. You're like, wait a second. Why was I spending so much time on this piece that really wasn't me? I was just saying, Hey, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how you grow a brand. You have to do these things. It's like, no, 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 no. There's no rubric for how you do these things. That's why there's hundreds and hundreds. I mean, if you guys go on clubhouse, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are telling you how to make money on social media. Guess what? They all have different ways because there's not Mm -hmm. a right way. The algorithm changes every single day and no one knows what the hell they're doing. Facebook's just making all the money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I am a firm believer that you do what you love. You put it out there and people will find you. People will talk about you. They'll share it with people and you will you will figure out a way to get that success because of the energy and passion that you show. And you'll draw in the people that share that same passion. Um, It's so easy to get caught up in the likes and the follower numbers and all of that. And I am not immune to that by any means. I fall into the hole on a regular basis and I have to, you know, take a minute and be like, wait a minute, does this really matter? Like what really matters is having these conversations, reaching people, inspiring them to take a look at their own life and um, hopefully help them feel a little less alone as they go through that journey for themselves. But the likes, the follower count, um, you know, I, I always go back to if I could help one person figure this out in their life and experience more joy and happiness, I have completely done my job. I've served my purpose and um, I know I have more than one follower on Instagram. So, um, so that like box is checked. I should move on from, from that and just know that, um, I'm putting out into the world what, uh, what will resonate with people and, and support them. Yeah. And I think it's, it's an interesting thing because we get so caught up in those like follower counts or insights and who's looking at my page, who's doing whatever, who's doing this. And it's like, to your mm-hmm. point is if we're helping people it shouldn't matter how many people we're helping at least. And, and again, obviously everyone has their own kind of plan. We we're very similar in that aspect of if one person watches this podcast and gets something from it, so be it. Then, then, then it was worth the interview and having the conversation. If not, it was just a selfish reason just to talk to you because you're awesome. And it's just fun conversation. Uh, but either way, it's that, it's that idea of finding out what that why is and understanding like our why is to help people Mm -hmm. resonate with, with their passion or me helping with purpose and intentionality and, if I can help somebody do that, then that's it. I don't care if it's one mm-hmm. people or 10,000 people. Either way, the mission's being fulfilled. When is enough enough? You know, and, yeah. and that goes, we can circle all the way back around to the American dream is the idea is it's all about consumption. How much more can I get? Unlimited possibilities. So that means I'm going to go for unlimited resources. And it's not meant for an unlimited resources. It's, hey, you can do anything you want, but you need to be on your own journey. Because if not, you're going to fall into that trap. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about knowing what you want out of life and being really true to yourself and, and turning to that internal compass um, to direct you in life. And then you get to have the American dream because there's endless possibilities. Right. That's awesome. 
thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation. I'm, I'm really you. glad that you're able to have it. How can the people get in touch with you? Plug all of your things. Tell them everything you're doing because you're doing big things. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Luminance Healing. Um, I have two books coming out this fall that I'm super, super excited about. One in September about my personal journey and one in November that is really a framework for self-discovery. Um, for more details on those, uh, you can go to DemetriaBurby.com slash books. Um, yeah, I am so excited to be here and have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And we're going to have all of those links in the show notes. So you guys make sure you go get the book. Can we pre-order the book? Is that a, is that a thing? Not yet. Okay. It is still, uh, yeah, it's the cover still in design, so Perfect. it will be up soon. Well, once it, once it is available for pre-order, we'll be sharing it on the social. So make sure you follow Perfect. me and then follow, uh, Demetria as well. But thank you again so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was great. Yeah. To everyone else, uh, you can reach out to me on social media everywhere at flores.run. You guys know this stuff. Maybe Instagram will stop hating me and and let people follow me or message me. But yeah, you got to issue, send me a DM, shoot me an email, jonathan at flores.run. Uh, subscribe, leave a review of the podcast. Um, that's how people know that this is decent and people want to listen to interviews like this. You're like, hey, if you like this, if she was awesome, you know, give me a like. It's really her. She, she makes you want to you follow Demetria because it's really on her end, not mine. Because you guys listen to my episodes. They're garbage. Anyways, uh, you can visit my website at www.flores.run. Race reports, blogs, you know the whole deal. Um, hangry, wearehangry.com. We have uh, merchandise on sale. We just got new t-shirts and stuff like that. We're going to have hats on there too. There's a lot going on with Hangry, so make sure you follow that and check out everything that's going on there. We are making a difference for those living with the issue of hunger in our community. What else to say about that? But thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to keep running with purpose one step at a time. See you guys next week.